Well, hi there, and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and thank you so much for being here with us and being a proactive parent so that you can get the resources that you need to help your child recover from their symptoms of autism. And remember that the definition of recovery is to regain health, and that's what this is about, natural resources to help your child get better, to live the happiest, most fulfilling life possible. And as you know, um, my son was once diagnosed with autism, and I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies. But my holistic background let me know that that the brain can and does heal and I knew he could get better but I had to figure out how and so I spent over a decade of research trial and error a lot of money spent but it was worth everything because today my son is fully recovered and now I like to share those resources with you as a parent so you can do what you can for your child to get to the optimum results and that's what it's about the optimum results we have uh, also, of course, um, this month for April, I have uh, 30 days of autism resources that I'm sharing with you for free. I'm giving out a new resource every day uh, with PDF downloads and video tutorials, etc. And you can get all of that at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 30 days. So please, please uh, get, go get those resources for yourself. Uh, I think they'll help you with your, with your children as well. And today we have uh, a topic that we're segueing in from things that we've done in the past. We've discussed uh, the comorbid symptoms in, in different shows. There Now, those include the mold biotoxin issue and, and uh, chronic inflammation due to that, Lyme's disease, which uh, is they say about 98% of kids with, with autism have Lyme's disease, and then mycoplasma and other infections that are going on that can be the reason why your child plateaus, why they don't get better, and we want to com- continue that discussion today and get into something that is new and also for, possibly new for you, maybe not, but it's a hot, hot topic in autism today, and that's about camel's milk and how it can help with immune issues and gut issues and, and overall health for your children. And luckily, we have our special guest, Jody Deshore, with us, and Dr. Deshore has been with us in the past, and we've discussed the comorbids, but she's also a specialist in camel's milk. And if this is the first time you've heard about Dr. Deshore, I'm going to give you a brief uh, bio for her just so you get a little bit of her background. She is an internationally recognized pioneering clinician in the all-natural plant-based treatment of autism, Lyme's disease, mold biotoxin illness, PANS and PANDAS, which includes streptococcal infections, nutrigenomics and autoimmune illness. She works with children and adults in over 42, 43 countries now around the world. Dr. Deshore is a board-certified doctor of occupational therapy, neurology, with a postdoctoral specialization in neurosensory. She is board-certified as a holistic health practitioner and board-certified in integrative pediatrics. Her post-training abroad includes specialization in pediatric neurology and multiple naturopathic disciplines in Bombay, the UK, and the US. Dr. DeShore is currently pursuing her PhD and board certification in integrative medicine with a special interest in quantum physics, and she's the founder and director of BioNexus Health Clinic in Marlborough, New Jersey. Dr. DeShore is also the co-founder on the advisory board of International the International Forum for Camels Medicine, which is called IFCAM, and and, uh, I'm going to give you uh, plenty of links to uh, everything we discuss in the show so you can find out, you can become a, a member of a forum we can get questions answered and various things that we'll get into today. So today's episode, uh, the show notes will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 37, the number's 37. So everything will be there for you today. So especially if you happen to be driving or out on your morning walk, um, those resources will be there for you later. So Dr. Deshore, thank you again for being here with us so much for sharing your expertise. I appreciate your time as well. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Karen. So there are a lot of people listening who might not have had have heard some of our past episodes about the comorbid infection. So why don't we just kind of give a little bit of background on some of those. Um, you know, if you want to talk about uh, the Lyme disease, the mold biotoxin issue, and, and how they affect uh, the, ish, the 
how they are so common in children with on the autism spectrum, and what kinds of things that they can they can cause the damage they can cause. Yes, of course. Uh, one of the uh, I mean a couple of the few uh, couple of the few sorry <laughs> a, a few of the most common comorbid infections uh, that we see in my office and that, that you mentioned as well in children with autism is uh, uh, Lyme disease along with its various co-infections like Bartonella, Babesia, Ehrlichiosis, Rickettsia, there's quite a few, uh, mycoplasmas as well as viruses um, which, which are seen in children on the spectrum. Now, um, the other thing we also look at is chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which is mold exposure and mold biotoxin illness, and the inflammation that is caused by uh, by being exposed to these biological toxins. Um, it is, you know, a lot of studies have shown that children on the spectrum do have uh, immune difficulties, dysregulation of the immune system. They also have a lot of gut issues. Um, you know, it's uh, sometimes referred to as autistic colitis. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight uh, about the gut, about the gut issues that are seen in children with autism. I think everybody, uh, I, I, not everybody, most people listening into the show uh, would be aware if they are listening in, you know, to the show about um, autism spectrum disorders, it's pretty common knowledge nowadays. Looking at the epidemic rates at which autism is, uh, you know, is being diagnosed, that uh, the term leaky gut, you know, the the, the term the, the gut-brain connection. So those those are terms that are out in the media that that uh, that uh, most families who know somebody with autism, even if it's not in their immediate family, they're aware of that. So let's go a little bit beyond that and talk about the co-infections and mold biotoxin illness and what they do. So co-infections uh, like Lyme and the other co-infections I mentioned, the, the three things that are important to remember is that these are old bacteria. They're very smart bacteria. Uh, the flexibility and the infectious dynamics of the organisms, it's important for the parents and the practitioners to know all this. Then the next thing that's important is to understand that there is a synergy or cooperation, if you may, that occurs between these organisms. You know, uh, Stephen Buhner often talks about bacterial intelligence. The the, the famous herbalist. He's uh, one of my uh, one of my uh, guides and mentors, and he speaks about bacterial intelligence and how bacteria transmit host defense information amongst each other, so they can bring those defenses down and you know stay in the host enjoy the host nutrition the host being us human beings in this case uh, for as long as possible the third important thing to remember would be the cytokine cascade that these microorganisms initiate or the inflammation that these microorganisms initiate um, now uh, your practitioner and you as parents also need to remember that that the protocols need to uh, need to address all of these issues, meaning the inflammation or cytokine cascade, the immune function, uh, and most importantly, the protocol that, that your child is on needs to protect the areas of the body that are targeted by these microorganisms. And one of the most important areas is the gut. Because Karen, as you and I both know, that more than 70% of the immune system lives in the gut, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we we need to make we need to make sure that uh, the gut is protected. We also need to make sure that uh, any specific symptoms that are specific to that particular child are also addressed. Uh, and in-depth contact between the practitioner and the patient is is very important because it's so complex. 
Yeah, this is a complex uh, issue, and it's a multi-system issue as well. It affects so many Mm -hmm. systems of the body, and that's why we say to start out with healing the gut, but it is by no means the the complete end. Like some people think, some parents many times think, oh, well, I've been on, have my child on a certain diet for a long time, and they're getting a little better, but not fully. It's because that's just the beginning. That's one piece of a a big story. And we're going to take a short break right here, but when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion give you uh, further resources and information. So you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. We'll be Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about the various co-infections such as Lyme's disease, mold biotoxins and their chronic uh, inflammation they can cause, and mycoplasma, and how they are this intelligent um, realm of bacteria that live in the body and how they, they tend to target the gut. And so it's really important to know that what you can do for your child. And we have Dr. Jody DeShore with us here today, who is also an expert, not only in the comorbid infections, but also in camel's milk. So we're going to be getting into how camel's milk can help your child as well with these infections. But first, we want to make sure that we're sort of giving you the the foundational aspects. So Dr. DeShore, would you maybe finish where we left off before the break about some of these these inflammatory issues and the bacterial intelligent and intelligence, and then how all of these all of the things, all of the pieces needed to be need to be taken care of. Not not just a diet, but also the multi system aspects, and how the gut is so affected by these microorganisms. Actually, is really interesting too. Why they target the gut? Yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. It's it's very important, just like you mentioned, to to you know understand the big picture and not assume that a very strict specific diet is going to help with everything. I mean, in, in some children it may, but not in <clears throat> in about 80 to 90, or I should say over 90% of um, of kids that I see in my practice are, uh, are complicated with all of these comorbid issues. And certainly diet is an important, but <clears throat> I'm sorry, but a, a small piece of, uh, what needs to be addressed in these children with autism? Well, as we mentioned, or as you mentioned, it is a multi-system issue. It is a multi-system uh, infection, inflammation. These bacteria burrow deep into the into the connective tissues, which includes the tissues in the gut. Uh, leaky gut can also be caused by bacterial lipopolysaccharides or bacterial toxins that punch holes in the lining of the gut. It is not always an immune issue. It is not always, you know, a food sensitivity issue. So it becomes important to use uh, antimicrobial therapies and at the same time to try and repair the actual damage that is caused. You know, it's not like it's food sensitivities, you go on a diet and slowly the gut will heal itself. It won't. Um, some, there are certain infections like mycoplasma Mycoplasma organisms, uh, they have a tropism or a preference for cilia, among other things. So mycoplasma will tend to infect red blood cells, the reproductive tract, the respiratory system. You know, respiratory system has, has those uh, little hair-like structures or cilia, as does your gut. So having mycoplasma co-infection is very common in children with Lyme, especially when you do endoscopies. Uh, when, when I was doing my eyelids mentoring with Dr. Jones, uh, the famous pediatric Lyme doctor in, uh, in Connecticut, almost all the children that went for endoscopies uh, due to Lyme disease because they had severe gut issues, you know, Dr. Jones would send biopsy to a special lab to look for what's going on in the gut and all of the endoscopy biopsies, 100% of the time that I saw, they came back uh, positive for uh, Lyme disease. So that is how slowly, yeah, yeah, they were. And uh, once uh, Lyme disease was healed, you know, the the gut started to heal as well, but keep in mind, uh, children with autism very rarely tolerate antibiotics. So in my practice, what we do is uh, just like what you offer 
in your program, it is a completely plant-based natural approach to repair the damage as well as kill the microorganisms that cause the damage. That's, uh, that's how one needs to approach. And uh, understanding this big picture uh, will give us a little bit more of an understanding how camel's milk works for, uh, works for healing the gut, uh, helping the immune system, going deeper into the cells. As, uh, as, as we proceed with today's program, you know, we'll learn a little bit more about that. The, um, the next thing, Karen, you mentioned was uh, mold biotoxin illness. And yes, uh, what happened with, with the 25% of the, of the general population that are not able to detoxify mold through the natural detoxification uh, mechanisms in the body that should be clicking in automatically because there is toxic mold. And, uh, you know, in, in our previous programs, we have spoken about that how 25% of the people are unable to do that. You know, they, they have the genetic inability or genetic susceptibility to keep accumulating these toxins. And when these toxins accumulate, one of the uh, major hormones, the MSH or melanocyte stimulating hormone, that is severely depleted. And uh, one of the a few of the hallmarks of a severely depleted MSH in the hypothalamus, uh, the brain in the hypothalamus of of a child with autism, is uh, the illness becomes severe and prolonged. Uh, the lack of MSH can cause malabsorption in the gut, resulting uh, you know it results in things like diarrhea, alternating diarrhea, constipation. Uh, heavy-duty food sensitivities, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, the uh, sometimes mislabeled as autistic colitis, uh, and generally referred to as um, uh, as leaky gut. Right, and these are really, really important um, pieces to know for parents because they always see the digestive issues in their kids. I mean, even my own son had extreme digestive issues at one point. So uh, we need to take a short break right here. But when we come back, we're definitely going to talk further about uh, all of these these things that you can do to help your child's gut to heal better. And, and uh, we'll get into uh, some of the aspects about camel's milk. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about the comorbid infections, including Lyme's disease, uh, mold biotoxins, and mycoplasma, and how those target various tissues in the body, including the gut and the gut tissues, and what needs to happen to help your child to recover from those symptoms, because a lot of our kids do have leaky gut, and leaky gut does cause malabsorptive issues. They might even be, you might even be able to get them to eat some nutrition food, but they're, they're not absorbing it. And they have the symptoms, as we mentioned before the break, of things like diarrhea or constipation or food sensitivities. And a lot of the times when you go to a traditional doctor, you'll get antibiotics for a lot of the symptoms or these bacterial infections uh, that we've been discussing. But the problem with antibiotics is that for one, they destroy the good bacteria along with the bad, and our kids are already so depleted in that really healthy good bacteria that they need. And then afterwards, it also we also know that that they don't work a lot of the time because 
many of these infections are antibiotic resistant. And if that's the case, then you need to know what to do. So we're talking about also plant-based natural approaches, which um, Dr. DeShore uses and I use in my program as well. And we've been talking a little bit about mycoplasma. And I just want to clarify, if you're not familiar with it, that it, it is something that is the bacteria that's referred to that causes walking pneumonia. So it's very much a respiratory issue. If your child has a lot of respiratory issues, that, that uh, could be something that's involved there. Uh, we've been talking about it, and I just wanted to clarify so you knew uh, for sure what, what mycoplasma was as one more bacterial um, infection, and that these bacteria work in synergy with the mold biotoxin bacteria, those issues that come there, and the Lyme's disease. Um, all of those bacteria. So, Dr. Deshore, do you want to, you know, continue on with what you were discussing mm-hmm. around these uh, these gut issues, these health and immune issues, and and then what they can do to to help their ch- children? Uh, yes, of course. So, let's uh, what what I wanted to specify a little bit more about mycoplasma. Now that you mentioned it, you know, uh, mycoplasma. I mentioned that they have this tropism or affinity for cilia, which which exists. You know, in the gustatory system or the gut, mycoplasma have such a reduced genome that they need to scavenge large number of nutrients from the host body or the human body. Uh, they so this is the reason why they affect a much broader range of body systems. So they are uh, very difficult to get rid of. They, it's easy for them to go intracellular. They are what 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 we call as reduced genome, as I mentioned, or cell wall deficient organisms. Uh, Moving on now to to immune dynamics. Uh, It is crucial, as we mentioned earlier, to address the immune status as part of of any treatment protocol. And, uh, you know, a lot of the immune system uh, lives in the gut. And this is irrespective of uh, the, the orientation as to what kind of bacteria there is. You know, it is just an inescapable truth uh, that is revealed by research as well that the weaker or more compromised the immune system, the more likely someone is to become infected with all of these comorbid infections, the mold biotoxin illness, uh, and the more likely they are to have a long chronic debilitating course of illness. So improving the immune status, which sometimes or most of the times equals improving the the gut status of those infected, allows the immune system to do what it does best. That is, you know, use elegant, uh, complex mechanisms to control and clear these infections. So ultimately what happens is when the leaky gut is addressed, when the immune system is supported, the immune system will start identifying uh, what is known as the outer membrane proteins of these uh, various bacteria. I mean, every bacteria exhibits um, a membrane protein. And these, these, this is what I'm speaking about, the outer membrane proteins. And once the immune system identifies the outer membrane proteins, uh, proteins the immune system can create antibodies to them. So depending on the type of infection or the number of infections, the health of the immune system at the time of infection, uh, this can take anywhere from four months to 12 months to four years, depending on how debilitated your immune system is uh, before you identified, you know, the Lyme disease, the comorbid issues, the mold biotoxin illness. Uh, In those, obviously, uh, where the immune system is more compromised, it takes longer. But once the immune system creates the proper antigens and the proper antibodies, the bacteria are then eliminated fairly rapidly. Um, It it is one of the things that I've seen in, in my practice, Karen, is that many children are diagnosed with autistic colitis. You know, they do endoscopies, colonoscopies, they have to be sedated, you know, these are invasive procedures, looking for answers. And on, you know, uh, 50% of the children respond well to the uh, regular gastroenterology protocol that they're on, and 50% just don't. In fact, the 50% not just, they, it's not just that they don't respond to the uh, 
uh, typical protocol, any uh, autism gastroenterology specialist would put them on, they actually get worse and seriously worse. And um, as I understood co-infections, as I understood biotoxin illness, the melanocyte stimulating hormone, the malabsorption, you know, the lymphatic drainage issues, I started understanding more and more as to why these 50% of patients in, 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 uh, with autism in my practice are not responding, you know, they're non-responders. Uh, first of all, steroids, even if they are local steroids and anti-inflammatory drugs, and, and sometimes even uh, the regular biological uh, uh, medicines that shut down your immune system like Humira are used uh, on uh, on children with autism diagnosed with autistic colitis. And when you have underlying co-infections, when you have inflammation from other causes like mold biotoxins, these treatments just don't work. Not only do they don't work, steroids is hugely contraindicated for children that are exposed to uh, mold biotoxins and, I have, and have chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So that is why they get, they get really worse because it further compromises the innate and the acquired immune system. It, it just it gets to be a uh, severely upregulated and dysregulated immune response. I know that you've said before that, um, you know, kids, you, you won't get better from things like Lyme if you are still exposed to mold, because again, they, they all sort of, you know, it's like the domino effect. You're exposed to mold continuously. You might be working with it, but if you're home or the school or grandma's house or place that you're at all the time has exposure from water damaged building and you might not even be able to see it in the walls, then, um, then, then, you know, I'll link to how people can test on the, the mold, um, on the mold episode that we did, but uh, very important to know that you uh, you have to get rid of the exposure as well so that you're not continuing to keep your child from getting better because they have that continued exposure which causes continued inflammatory response which then doesn't allow the immune system to recover and then all of these other bacteria are able to continue to thrive so i'm sorry but we need to take a very short break here so please stay with us you're listening to naturally recovering autism i'm your host karen thomas and we will be Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about uh, the comorbid infections and how they are affecting the immune system, can continue to keep your child's system compromised, why your child might not be recovering uh, due to these, and also, uh, and now we're going to get into what things that you can do beyond, of course, healing the gut, which affects the immune system directly or makes up up to 80% of the immune system. Uh, and also, we want to be, be sure that we're absorbing the nutrition from our food because a lot of these bacteria can create what's called leaky gut, which are holes that have been bored into the gut lining that allow undigested food into the system, into the bloodstream. And then the immune system reacts because it sees those as foreign agents. And one thing leads to another, this big domino effect. Effect. I want to make sure that uh, if you tuned in late that you know that I have uh, written a page uh, post for you and all of the links for this episode will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 37. The number is 37. So you can find those later as well. And Dr. DeShore, let's talk about when camel's milk would be possibly indicated for, for a child and are there any labs meet, needed and, and, you know, what are its benefits? Yes. Um, let me just specify one thing. You know, I've often been asked, like, what is camel's milk? Well, it is milk from camels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people will ask me, what, what is that? Yeah, so because, you know, I mean, uh, uh, I guess many people, most people know about, uh, about cow's milk. Now people know about the A2 cow's milk. People have heard about the gamey tasting uh, uh, goat's milk. Uh, and there is also sheep's milk. Uh, now there is uh, there is uh, camel's milk. Now one one of my um, actually my chief mentor is uh, uh, is Dr. Professor Yuvin uh, Ruben Yagil in Israel, who is a world-renowned specialist. He uh, you know consults with presidents and prime ministers of countries with with UN as well, uh, trying to bring nutrition. To, uh, to children in, 
uh, in drought affected or in, in impoverished countries in the world. So he is amazing. I've learned everything that I have about camel milk is from Professor Yagil. He is as well. He is on the advisory board um, of the International Forum for Camel Advocacy and Medicine. He is um, uh, one of us on, on the scientific advisory board. He's happy to answer questions if anyone wants to go on and become a member, and we'll talk more about this towards the end. Uh, okay, so that's, that's camel milk, and uh, we, we will we'll talk a little bit more about camel properties, uh, but what are the indications? One of the indications I spoke about was this, um, obviously, leaky gut, autistic colitis that is not getting better with regular treatment or getting worse, um, and any kind of immune issues, you know, uh, in, uh, in neurotypical children that are uh, diagnosed with PANS, PANDAS, or autoimmune encephalitis, autoimmune encephalopathies, uh, these are commonly treated by Dr. Charles Ray Jones, um, his um, IVIG protocol. And it works really well. Many times insurance companies will, will also cover the IVIG, however, you know, it, it, it requires uh, pre-medication with steroids, with antibiotics. Uh, of course, it's invasive. Uh, IVIG typically comes from approximately 10,000 donors, and it is a, a blood product. It is not tested for Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, et cetera. So uh, mostly what I see in my practice, 99.9% .9 of the time, um, Parents don't want to use IVIG for their children if they can avoid it. So that is, uh, that is one indication. Uh, skin and dermatological issues is another indication. Um, any kind of insulin issues, any kind of leptin hormonal issues, that is another uh, indication. So all in all, gut issues and a weak immune system uh, there's a lot of research out there if you go on PubMed and, and you know, just, just kind of Google um, uh, how camel milk works or why camel milk is beneficial. There, there is a, a lot of information. Um, okay, so substitute for IVIG. I shouldn't say substitute, but it works really well because camel milk has unique properties. It's, uh, it has... Not only is it a very unique milk, it has some rare beneficial properties. It is high in potent immunoglobulins, uh, which are, uh, as some of us may know, uh, immunoglobulins are powerful immune-boosting substances. Um, that is why you know, uh, uh, people go for things like IVIG, which helps to boost up the, boost up the immune system. But um, we, you know, as, as we mentioned, that IVIG may not be suitable for kids uh, on, on the spectrum. So that is where, you know, camel milk becomes a, a, a really important substitute. The one test that is important is the folate receptor antibody test or the FRAT, F-R-A-T test, to see if there are any uh, casein or casomorphin or uh, any kind of uh, folate receptor uh, antibodies that are attacking the brain. It is a condition that is uh, present in many children on the spectrum. And in, in, in those cases, one has to be careful with the kind of camel milk that is given. Or, you know, uh, the, the other option would be just a basic colostrum supplement. But even that, uh, even if it's sheep colostrum or goat colostrum, we are still completely staying away from cow milk for children on the spectrum, but even then uh, with an FRA test uh, being positive, especially if, if it is positive, anywhere from moderate to large number of antibodies, uh, you need a very experienced practitioner. It's really interesting that you said to know the kind of camel's milk. So obviously not all camel's milk then is the same, is that right? Yes, that is, that is quite true. I mean, um, First of all, you know, we know that uh, camels uh, live in the desert. They live in, uh, in very trying circumstances. Not, they don't just live. They thrive in, you know, in very trying circumstances. And uh, that, that makes, uh, makes camels and their milk uh, 
full of resiliency and full of um, strengthening properties that kind of allows them to to survive and thrive in a very poor environment in in you know which is not uh, they don't have nutrients always available so these nutrients when they are available to them they become concentrated in their bodies and hence you know they're expressed uh, in uh, in the fluid which is uh, which is camel milk which comes from these camels um, there are two uh, two views. One is uh, you know, two views regarding camel milk. One is with respect to the camel milk being raw, uh, and the other one is uh, flash pasteurized. I'm not speaking okay. about pasteurized, you know, heating it up for uh, a really long time, but uh, flash pasteurized, which does maintain um, the wonderful properties of camel milk. Okay. We're going to take a short break right here, uh, but when we come back, I might ask you a couple more questions versus the raw versus the flash pasteurized. I know people have written in and asked me about that as well, and so I know there are listeners that are, are uh, curious about that. So um, we're you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. We're going to take a very short break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and today's uh, show, I want to make sure you know that all of the links, because we're giving a lot of resources, or will, at, will everything for show notes will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 37, just the numbers 37, and we have Dr. Jody DeShore with us here today, and we're, we're continuing our discussion on the comorbid infections, but more so how they all work together with the mold biotoxin issue and creating the inflammation and the bacterial issues from Lyme's disease and mycoplasma, which is the same as um, a type of, of a walking pneumonia. So these bacteria live in our body. They affect the gut, the immune system. They get in their multi-system. They affect multi-systems of the body. And now we're doc- talking about camel's milk being able to be something that um, you can find out if uh, based on some certain symptoms, if it could be something that could be beneficial for your child. Now, there we, we do want to get into dosages at which or, or how much you might want to know to start with in a moment here too because that's really important. This is not just like uh, some other even goat's milk or something else where you could give your child a glass of it or you know, people are pouring it in, which you shouldn't eat cereal anyway, but pouring it in cereal um, and, uh, and you know, using too much of it at once. This is basically a type of medicine and you can have die-off reactions as well where as the, the bad bacteria dies off, then um, it releases toxins and so your child can get a little worse sometimes before they get better so you want to start out super, super slow. So we'll talk about that in just a minute too. And Dr. Jor, maybe you can give us some some clear guidelines on that. But I, w- I wanted to just touch back on the piece that you talked about, raw versus flash pasteurized. Now, flash pasteurized is low heat pasteurized very quickly, and then it's cooled down. Mm-hmm. And some people write in and wonder if raw is better. And so obviously you're saying it's better to have it flash pasteurized. Can you just explain why? Yes, yes, I will, yes. Actually, um, you know, you, you mentioned cereal, and really quickly I just wanted to say that <laughs> Um, one, one, yeah, of course, you know, they, they shouldn't be eating cereal or grains, which, which works, uh, really well avoiding those. But, um, I, uh, recently came across grainless, uh, organic grain free granola. That, that has been working really well for, uh, my son as well, as well as for my patients. 
So this this is like you know um, completely paleo organic uh, grain free granola. But yes, so that's that's the kind of cereal they can have. With, okay, yeah. Um, if you want to give me the send me the link to that, I can add it to the show notes later on too because I'm sure people are now curious great, yeah. as to which one it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, and so coming back to flash pasteurization. Uh, flash pasteurization is also known as genel pasteurization, which differs from the high heat pasteurization used to pasteurize milk and fresh juice, generally speaking. So uh, this genel pasteurization just means that it is that, that the, the camel milk, it is heated quickly and then cooled quickly. So it ends up killing the bad bacteria while leaving the nutrients intact. That is the uh, theory behind uh, flash pasteurized um, camel milk. Now, as to when to use what, um, to tie in with the FRAT testing, you know, the folate receptor uh, antibodies test that we, we spoke about being important for every child with autism before giving any milk products. So what I found, and again, I speak, I, you know, uh, I can only speak from my personal experience with my patients in my practice. So what I've seen is uh, from moderate to high results on the FRAT test, it is best to avoid all milk products from moderate to high, including camel milk. So avoid camel milk till gluten, other food sensitivities, inflammation and infection have been treated, gluten's been taken out, the food sensitivities have been you know, uh, identified and they are being avoided. So in essence, we are creating a good background before we start any uh, camel milk. So yes, you can give camel milk, but this is what you need to do if the FRAT results are moderate to high. Then you would need to start with flash pasteurized camel milk in these people. I'm still talking about the moderate to high FRAT results. Uh, you, You will start the camel milk low dose from one tablespoon a day and increase uh, by one tablespoon every couple days. You know, uh, uh, sometimes the IgG responses can take a couple days to show up. So if you have a child that is going to react to the camel milk, you have to give the child a few days to make to to see if if the, if the child is making the IgG uh, antibodies to camel milk. I've seen a very low low percentage of that. And um, especially in kids with high folate receptor antibodies. Uh, in fact, of the hundreds of kids I see with autism around the world, I have two children whose mothers had to start with one drop of flash pasteurized camel milk uh, in the beginning. And now they're both doing, you know, uh, easily one, one cup a day. Uh, that, that, you know, camel milk has, has a lot of nutrition, and I'll go into that, but let me finish this thought first. Now, for the low folate receptor antibody results, it's okay to use camel milk. Once again, uh, start low dose, but here you can, you can start with one tablespoon a day, and then you can add one tablespoon every three days, looking for that IgG response again, just in case, and then you can slowly build up to half a cup twice a day. Some children, you know, who live in, uh, in, in the camel regions of the world, they are genetically uh, supportive of, of that ecosystem there. So they can drink even more. But for, uh, in my practice, the highest I've seen any uh, kid on the spectrum go is half a cup twice a day. Um, start with flash pasteurized for the first three months and then slowly introduce raw with informed consent and make sure it's a good, clean product. Um, many uh, raw camel milk suppliers will send you lab testing that, you know, leptospirosis, uh, any kind of E. coli, etc. cetera. It, it has been lab tested to not contain. Um, now, if your family makes this uh, individual decision to, to, to uh, introduce raw, then remember that you don't go from, uh, you know, um, half a cup of flash pasteurized camel milk twice a day, which you did for the first three months, 
to going straight to half a cup of raw camel milk twice a day. That's not how it works. You have to restart. You have to restart with one tablespoon because now it's it's you know a, a different item. It may still be camel milk, but now you're you're going in with the raw camel milk. So you go back to the one tablespoon and you you slowly build up. Um, I do have many children on the spectrum with low folate receptor antibodies uh, that are have eventually chosen and moved on to raw camel milk with good results. Um, I don't have any children with with uh, with high folate receptor antibodies that are on uh, raw camel milk for various okay. reasons. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe actually we'll take a very short break here and I'll ask you about that uh, when we come back because um, why somebody m- might not ever want to start it and your, your indications or your thoughts on that uh, as well. Um, and then, you know, if somebody has when they might know to move up to, to, to certain levels of it or to start it at all. Uh, so we need to take a short break. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop. Empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it. Well, hi, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and I want to make sure that you know that all the show notes for today will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 37. We've been talking about the comorbid infections and how these bacteria work together, how they affect your child's overall health, immune system, gut health, uh, digestion, and now we're, we've been talking about camel's milk and, uh, you know, what type to, to, to take and when. So, Dr. Deshore, would you, we just have a little bit of time left, and there's so much that, uh, that I'd love to continue with here. So, I know that, that we just talked a little bit about raw versus pasteurized, and when you might know, some of your kids uh, that, that are in your, your practice are on um, that you would never put a child on camel's milk. Can you explain that and like some of the dynamics around camel's milk briefly? Yeah, sure. Um, camels have uh, IgM, IgG, uh, you know, these are all immunoglobulins, IgA and even a little bit of uh, IgD. Uh, the structure of these immunoglobulins in camel milk is very similar to those in mother's breast milk. So that is that is why they are, uh, you know, they, they can be... Uh, quite beneficial. Um, human antibodies, right? We, we spoke about antibodies being able to fight off infections in the immune system, keeping them that healthy. Now, human antibodies are uh, often described as magic bullets, but by molecular standards, they're actually more like big tanks. They are big and complicated and, and you know, expensive for the immune system to produce. Uh, that's where the camel antibodies come in. They are one-tenth the size of human antibodies. Uh, so they are also known as natural nanobodies. So they are able to penetrate cells uh, and they're able to, you know, uh, uh, look at bacteria and toxins and viruses that are intracellular uh, and they attack them inside the cells, often deeper uh, and, and more penetrating power than uh, human antibodies simply because they are uh, such smaller in size. Uh, in fact, nanobodies are, are being researched by scientists uh, worldwide. I think there are only three um, animals from which nanobodies can be obtained, the shark, the llama, and the camels. Uh, and camel is great because we also have camel milk. Uh, not giving raw camel milk, uh, camel milk is good for everybody. But uh, when you have high folate receptor antibodies, 
That is when, uh, in my practice, that child never graduates to raw camel milk. Flash pasteurized camel milk, very slow buildup, has been okay so far. We, we, you know, uh, not okay. It's been great with with the the kind of benefits uh, I have outlined from camel milk. But that would be the only situation. So. Um, you know, in, in countries where FRAT test is not available, that is where the mothers uh, have to observe, and I keep saying mother, dads as well, of course, the whole family, needs to observe the, the IgG response to camel milk. Um, that is, you, you start low and slow, and then you watch if the child develops an, an IgG sensitivity just because of the FRA antibodies. So you wait, so you, you start with that one teaspoon of pasteurized, flash pasteurized camel milk, and you wait for three to four days, uh, make sure that there is no reaction, and then you can you know, add in more. So if you want to play super safe, you're in a country you know, where the FRA test cannot be done, then this is the way to go. If you are native to, say, for example, you know, you're, you, you live in Dubai uh, and, and you know camel is local, you know the supplier, you know that the raw milk is great, you know, there is some, some sort of testing um, uh, and vouching and guarantees behind it, then it becomes your individual decision because, you know, your, your family is indigenous to that area. So you are genetically programmed to receive camel milk uh, naturally. So, but again, low and slow is the way to go and observe. Don't, don't be in a hurry. Yeah, I always tell that um, to people in my program. It's, it's, it's always important to wait, like never add more than one new thing in at a time either so that you give yourself mm. and your child's body a chance to watch for any reactions and know exactly what is causing any new change if it happens and then knowing when you need to back off or when it's safe to move forward and uh, we are out of time today but this has been really really interesting and, and perhaps we can talk a little bit more about it in a future episode when uh, Dr. Deshore comes back with us again um, so remember all the show notes are for you at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 37 the number is 37 and thank you again Dr. Deshore for uh, joining us, being here today. Really appreciate your time, your experience with us. And um, again, thank you so much. You're welcome. Pleasure. And thanks for being here and being a proactive parent, getting the resources you need for your children and getting them to get them better and, and the optimum recovery possible. We are naturally recovering. I'm naturally recovering autism, and uh, we will see you next week. <laughs> 